Hello and welcome to Super Saturday as a comic book media podcast where each episode we'll be, dis- we'll be focusing on your favorite comic books, TV shows, and movies. To figure out if these projects will stand the test of time. I'm Damon A and on today's episode I'm joined by... What's up everybody? Omari Malik aka Big Bank Aaron man. What's up? What's up? On with the show. Okay, so before we get into our interview, Omari, I got a couple of questions for you. Um, I'm going to just give up some random news things that's happening within the comic book world. And I just want to hear your quick thoughts on it. Yeah, for sure. So, first things first. Have you been watching My Adventures with Superman? So, I'm guilty of not watching it. I'm a habitual binger. So, I'm waiting for it to finish before I jump into it. Uh, I will say, though. I become I've become a Superman fan in my older age. Didn't like the didn't like the Boy Scout, you know, always been more of a Batman fan, but love I love Superman and Lois. Like I just finished season three, so I'm hoping to jump into it. I'm hearing good things. Hearing good things though. Honestly, you're ahead of me when it comes to Superman and Lois. I dropped out like halfway through season two, even though it's great as hell. And in all honesty, I'm a little taken aback by how this is a CW show, yet they have the budget to make it look like a movie. See, I, I'm a CW apologist. Like, I kind of love the melodrama. Like, I can't lie. Like, a lot, of, a lot of people hate the stuff with the kids, but I'm like, I love it. I love the fact that they're fighting over the girl. I love everything that's going on. <laughs> I, I love it. I like it, too. I like it, too. I think one of the things that, like, comic books nowadays, maybe even comic book movies or whatever is that they're starting to, like, focus too much on the superheroes. And I think a lot of, like, the intrigue comes to their everyday life. So adding that melodrama, like, adds into that. Because I love Spider-Man. So, like, one of the coolest things about Spider-Man is that, like, Peter Parker is messy. Yeah, it's literally a drama. Like, Peter yeah. Parker is the nerdiest ladies' man in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love that sort of stuff. Like, I'm even a person, I love Naomi. Like, people trash Naomi. I loved every minute of it. I was like, this is corny. It's terrible. I love it. Give me another episode. I never watched it. I, I, I know that it was like really short-lived, but I really wanted to like, I, I might have to go back and look at it. Yeah. It, for me, I thought it was cool. I enjoyed it. Like, you know, definitely had, had it. It was one of those things where it's, I, I don't want to say it was in-name only because obviously it played up on a lot of the superhero elements, but it was one of those things that was just like so CW, but like so good at being a CW thing that it's like it could have taken away all the DC comic stuff and I still would have watched it. Okay, okay. All right, so got one more news roundup piece of information. What's your thoughts on the information about Iman Vanelli being the new writer for Ms. Ms. Marvel? being the co-writer and everything for her. I'm open to it, man. Uh, I won't lie. I am a bit burnt out on like the cheesiness of her dying in a Spider-Man book where no, where she wasn't like even barely being mentioned in the Spider-Man book. And I have this weird like annoyance with like promotion where it's like, we saw she died two weeks ago and then we got promotion for the to return book mm-hmm. like within the same month so like i'm willing to like as you know obviously i'm on here because i'm a writer so you know as a person that like is 
within the industry and trying to get in the industry, I don't mind people trying their hand. Like, you never know. Like, I'm sure, like, if we go back in the history books, like, you know, people are going to say what they want about Tanahashi Coates' run on Black Panther and Captain America. And I'm sure that people probably like, what does the guy that wrote Clerks have to do with writing Daredevil? So, you know, you know, I, I'm open-minded. I'm willing to give her a shot. And I have the people complaining don't read Miss Marvel. So, you know, for me, I'll give it that. I'm personally, I'm probably a person that wouldn't pick up the book, so I'm not going to trash it. But if there was ever a chance, I'm a, I'm a number one hoarder. So, you know, I'll, I'll grab at least issue one. Since we're talking about the comic book world, I just want to ask, what was your first introduction into the comic book world? What really got you to wanting to get into comic book writing? Like, what was your first introduction to all that? Oh, man. So for me, like, so I guess it's like twofold. So there's like, and I say twofold because there's the side of comic books that I feel like a lot of people are being introduced with, like, not actually comic books. It's like, I was that kid that just liked, I've always been in, like, boy stuff. So, and when I say boy stuff, I mean, like, for a marketing person in the late 90s and early 2000s, you guys have beach homes because of me, because I wanted my mother to buy me every cartoon, every piece of merch, every Beyblade trade and card game everything if i had a saturday morning cartoon and some merch and products behind it i was into it digimon pokemon obviously batman the animated series superman the animated series like you know the first the raimi spider-man like i'm into all that sort of stuff eating it up loving it and that was like how i was into superheroes and stuff and then like the actual introduction into comic books was the fact that my, my dad was like a 90s comic book collector, like had all the image stuff, all the milestone stuff, like, you know, all, and I say all the image stuff, not including when they everybody actually went to image, but all the time, the Fallen Spider-Mans, you know, the Jim Lee, Chris Claremont, X-Men stuff, you know, all the Dead Man's Land, <laughs> Batman stuff, you know, Nightfall, all that sort of 90s comics, like, oh. There were just long boxes in my house. So it's like when I was a little bit more conscious in the sense of like, oh, that's Batman. And like not just watching the VHSs and started flipping through them. And it's like, oh, shit, like this is Chuck mm-hmm. Dixon. Like this is Tim Drake is Robin. And those were like my kind of first introductions into comic books. When uh, like I was in eighth grade, like finally convinced my mother to actually take me to the comic book store and started buying my own books. And it was like, it had to be like 07, 09, because like Black as Night, like that was everything for me. Like Black as Night, I bought every tie-in, every one-shot, every miniseries, and it was off to the races from there. Black as Night was everywhere. I remember just the marketing for it. I remember I had like, Kind of the same situation as you. Like, I had all the merch and shit like that. Like, I would just have a lot of different things. I'd have all the DC animated DVDs and just a lot of different stuff. I think uh, Blackest Night was one of the first time I really understood, like, what a comic book event was. Because I already knew that, like, oh, yeah, they live, all comics live, like, Marvel Universe, DC Universe, they all live in the same universe. They all work together. Uh, they can, like, go to another book or whatever. Yeah. But I never understood that, like, oh, these are, like, event titles and everything. Like, Blackest Night was one of the epic, most epic ones I uh, had a time to look at. Yeah, like, that. 
for me, Blackest Night, like I said, that was the one I was a part of in real time. Like the first time I was a part of an event in real time. Like I remember free comic book day getting Blackest Night Zero and then all the preludes and Green Lantern and <laughs> love it. Love it, love it, love it. If you ask me, that's the best comic book event of all time. Okay. Would you say more DC or Marvel? I'm definitely more of a DC guy. Okay. Favorite hero? Favorite hero? So I have two. So if we if we go favorite hero of all time, it's probably Batman. But if we're going like favorite hero, because of the way I look, man, it's a tie between probably like Black Lightning or Static. Okay, okay, okay. You got you got taste. Okay. <laughs> what are some projects that you're currently working on right now before we get into the books that we're talking about as well, too? Yeah, so currently working on right now, like I'm in the process of, I guess without doing a short intro, obviously I'm here because I run my own publishing company, Black Two Publishing. So when even though I do write comics, like it's a publishing company first and foremost. So, you know, I'm working on a novel right now you know, for the books that we're going to talk about later, the books that I just released are basically pilots. So I'm working on the full, like, first arc for each book. That way, you know, this time next year, we'll be rolling those out and getting things going and a million and different one other ideas. You know, I also do books for, you know, friends of mine that have fashion brands and things like that. So always working, always writing. Uh, I can't stop these ideas from coming to me, man. Okay, okay. So you reached out to me about going over three different uh, titles that you're currently like developing and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to talk about those. So let's dive in. I got to say my initial thoughts on them because because uh, soups, I actually read uh, I read the first arc, which was uh, Dogpile. And then I'm still reading through a couple of the other ones that were in there, which is uh, Adastra and also Snakebite. And I gotta say, you are a really good writer. Thank you. Thank like, you. fantastic. Like, I, it felt like a breath of fresh air because I could honestly see that each different story that you're uh, developing currently, they all have their own voice and they all have their own tone. I know sometimes writers, uh, they have a hard time of, like, having something feel separate, but they all felt separate within their own little worlds almost. And it was really fun to really watch you work on that. My question is, how how were you able to develop those different voices for each work? I know that, like, the art helps, but, like, even in the writing, you, like, you kind of changed it up between the three. So, for me, that's, like, so, it's so funny because it's, like, I'm very calculated in the sense of, like, I've always wanted to do comics, always been into it, but, you know, having parents from the South and, you know, not realizing... Not to say that they didn't necessarily support it, but having it not be the most practical thing when your son that's in a hardcore punk and plays guitar tells you that either he wants to be a guitar player or a comic book writer, like rightfully so, they told me to like have a practical thing and like go to college and stuff like that. So I so I went to business school and I am thankful for that because it helped me be methodical about a lot of things and you know what I wanted to do and from being a person that's into music and obviously understanding business and just being a comic book fan, you know, I wanted to make sure when I came out that because I had so many different ideas and was into so many different things that I wanted to present myself in a way where it's like, no, I can do this. Like I didn't, like I felt like if I had just released one and then tried to come out with the others, people might've been like, 
wait, are you sure this is you? Aren't you the guy that did that book? Or what do you mean you're doing a book about a shape-shifting girl? You just had a guy that has snake tattoos as a power. So I wanted to make sure they were all different that way at any point in my writing career. When people see me doing something, they're like, no, this is what he does. He's a chameleon in a sense. So it's that and then, like, you know, actually sitting down and just, like, really trying to peel back the layers of what each character represented, like, and the inspiration behind them. So for Adastra, you know, that's inspired by my college girlfriend, you know, my ex-girlfriend, shout out to her, and then my little sister. They're both Geminis. And my little sister, I saw her go through a bunch of phases of like finding herself and kind of not knowing really what she wanted to do and being in the different things. And, you know, my college girlfriend, she was an overachiever, man. She used to write half my papers. She was, you know, a journalism major that was also a government and politics major that was doing a bunch of different things and kind of understood watching people watching them and seeing how they interacted and kind of relating to that and being able to put that into it you know for oh that was me when i for oh that's the main character of snake bite that was me and my friends when we were at that point in our life where we had to decide whether or not we were gonna gangbang or if we were gonna actually stay in school and do the right thing and that's kind of what we dealt with you know being urban kids like having the opportunity to do the right thing but then it's like you know you see the older dudes Everybody's starting to smoke weed for the first time, starting to hang out for the first time and not listen and remembering what that time was like and like remembering, you know, some of the code switching we're doing and all that sort of stuff and that that tangle and just like really keying into that. And then for Daquan, you know, the main character, Dogpile, that voice is identifiable just being kind of getting out of college and, you know, coming back home and being lost you know, or like not being connected to the place you used to be or the people you were really there for and just kind of having that guide map of writing out everything that I want the character to stand for, identifiable words and just kind of locking in and writing and rewriting and, you know, trying to, you know, commit to this and, you know, wanting to put the best product forward. Wow. Like, honestly, you hopped ahead of a lot of my questions that I had. Listen, but we can go honestly, back, man. I'm here. I'm here. No, uh, you know, it was really good hearing you talk about that. Actually, I was going to ask you, what were some inspirations for the different characters? Like, you already touched on Adastra's, uh, it was your sister and an ex-girlfriend of yours. And then with Snakebite, it was you and your friends at a certain time. Uh, maybe let's talk a little bit more about Dogpile. Yeah. Like, what really, like, how did you come up with the idea to come up with uh Quan and these different dogs who are not pets <laughs> yeah it's a big but point. yeah so for that you know i wanted to everybody wants to have a team book you know so i wanted to i wanted to have a team book and i just wanted it to center around a guy that a lot of people could relate to in a sense of like you know what you want to do but you're not sure of how to get there like i feel like that's just such a, a young adult thing just a person thing in general where daquan has this overwhelming feeling of like oh i want to help i want to do this like i'm being called to do this but then not really sure how to do it and also being in a position where you know you have people around you that are willing to help you at all times and just have that support system but then you're still trying 
kind of to find that confidence and kind of keep everything together because even though you're an adult and you're on your own, you don't always have it together. You know, like when I was 15, 16, I'm like, oh, when I'm getting my early 20s, like I'm going to have this figured out. But then I got there and I was like, oh, God, I don't know what I'm doing at all. You know, ain't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> and but you know, and you look around and you're with all your friends, and you guys are all fresh out of college or fresh out of high school, and you guys are all willing to help each other. But it's like none of us know what we're doing, <laughs> but we're just trying to figure it out together. Almost like I don't want to say like living single or like friends, but you know those sort of things where it's like you have this community around you that's willing to help, but you guys are still trying to figure it out. You guys are tapping into your powers and powers by powers i mean like creative energies goals things that you want to achieve and stuff like that okay so my question is also for dogpile like did you always want this to be a manga or did you initially like plot this out as like a traditional comic no i always wanted it to be a manga because i'm I'm the biggest fake manga fan there is. And the reason why I say I'm the biggest fake manga <laughs> fan there is, is because I know how serious it can get, you know, and I'm a person where my favorite, my favorite manga, my favorite anime is Naruto. And, you know, like I, I'm a big convention guy. So, you know, I go to anime and I see, I go to all these different cons and you start to talk about anime and stuff. And then it's like, people start mentioning stuff. I'm like, bro, I haven't seen it. I haven't read it. Like, <laughs> You know, but like all the major ones, like big in a Dragon Ball Z, excuse me, like, you know, Demon Slayer, like I'm starting to get into it. I, I box like one of my things that I do for fun is I box and my boxing coach is a big anime head. So he's always putting me on the stuff like he was the one that came to me one Saturday during the training session was like, bro, I just watched this thing called Vinland Saga. You got to watch it. <laughs> so, you know, listen, my friend has been trying to convince me to get that show. Look, look at that. Yeah. Watch that show. Connor, shout out to you. But I'm honestly the same boat as you when it comes to like, I like bits and pieces of anime. Like, well, I like, there's a couple of animes I really, really like and that I've watched. But whenever someone talks about, oh, gotta watch this, gotta watch this, I'm like, I haven't seen it. Right, exactly. That's what I do. Yeah. You know, I put my hands up. I'm like, I haven't seen it. Or it's like, I have it on my list where I start things like, watch, I finally watch Dr. Stone. Like, I'm slowly getting there. But it's like, it gets intense, man. It gets serious. So it's like, that's why I'll never sit there and be like, no, I'm an anime guy or a manga guy. The moment you, you know, it's like, I, what's, I still haven't watched like Samurai Shampoo yet. And it's like, haven't seen Bleach. And you, you know? Have you seen Cowboy Bebop at least? I've seen Bebop. I have. Okay, good. Bebop. You got it. I love that show so you much. Know, finish Bebop. I've watched Akira a few times, you know, like I'm getting okay. there. I'm, I'm hitting those pinnacles, you know, slowly but surely. Well, actually, I was going to ask if you watched Death Note, because when I was reading Dogpile, I was getting some of those vibes. I'm not trying to spoil anything for you guys, Soups. But... No, I haven't watched Death Note, but I'm a big RDC World fan, and Light uh... is like watching Mark play Light on <laughs> RDC World. is like, I have to watch this. This is what I mean when I say, like, I'm slowly getting into anime and manga as seriously as I should be, like. Obviously, like I've watched AOT, like and things like that. Like I've seen a bunch, but you know, gotta get there. Okay, okay. So honestly, there's just a couple of different things within Dogpile. I don't want to spoil too much in there because we're just talking about it. 
But the one thing that I got to say is I love that the book is just unapologetically black. Like, especially uh, in Adastra and also Snakebite. And that it was like a breath of fresh air as someone who's also black and shit, and shit like that. Just reading it and just how having how seeing how like it was just seamlessly integrated in there. Was it always a point that you wanted to make characters that looked like you? Yeah, that was that's always you know been at the forefront for me of wanting to make characters that look like me and and superseding just looking like me, like wanting to make things that were reflective of the way I saw the world or the way that people around me have seen the world. You know, like like I said, I've always been into this stuff. So, and I can't lie, you know, ever like it's beautiful now for people, you know, that we talk about things like representation mattering. Because, like, when I was a kid, like, my favorite season of Power Rangers is still to this day SPD because the Red Ranger was black. You know, ah, it's, yeah. it's those little things like that. That's like, mind you, is SPD the first, you know, Power Rangers I ever saw? I don't know. Like, I loved, I loved Wild Force before that. Like, I, you know, Mystic Fury, Ninja Storm, like, I was a big Power Rangers head, but it's like SPD for me, that was everything. You know, and just obviously, you know, reading all the milestone books or just like seeing like I've also big into the like nineties movies because like Omar Epps is one of my favorite, you know, actors, not just because he had my name, but there's a person that looked like me that's in a bunch of movies where he was going through stuff that I had seen. Like, you know, I had homies that I saw them get their first knives and first, you know, weapons, and they wanted to act like Bishop. Like, you know, I had been in college and, like, dealt with a few things, like, in higher learning and stuff like that. So I wanted my stories to, you know, be reflective of me and to not hold back. You know, I, you hearing the things about, you know, why Aaron left the boondocks because they were telling him what to do and things like that. Like, I didn't. I want not only my writing in Black Tooth and if I'm able to have other writers come through and put out things for other people, like whatever they look like, whoever they are, I want them to tell a story that's real to them. And it's like, so what if other people don't get it? Like the people that this is for, they'll get it. They'll relate to it, you know, and it's a glimpse into our world and a glimpse into what we got going on. Exactly. People that get it get it. People that don't don't. And like you want to show that reflection of like what the world looks like. Yeah. And I think that's something that I was able to pick up on the minute I started reading Dogpile. Uh, especially just seeing the way that Quan was just acting throughout the book and this is interactions with everybody else, and even just uh, despite the main characters also being dogs, each dog had their own personality as well too that really shined through. Could you talk a little bit? about the names and the personalities of the different dogs yeah so uh it's funny enough so uh two of the dogs are like based off like real life equivalents like my mother has a dog her name's ivy which is literally like that's my mother's dog my mother has a female pekingese that's ivy and you know my been a prissy dog like ivy's a pekingese so just like my mother's dog shaka one of my aunts had uh a golden retriever kind of rockwiler mix named Shaka. So they're based off that, you know, Shaka was, you know, energetic, you know, kind of to himself, like smart, things like that. Like Benzo was, my first car was, you know, some old ass Mercedes. 
and my father had a Rockweiler. So, you know, taking the fact that my father had a Rockweiler before I was born and the fact that my first car was a Mercedes, you know, I kind of mixed that in to make Benzo and, you know, that car was loyal just like a dog was. It got me everywhere I needed to be in high school and things like that. And then the other dogs, you know, um, one of the dogs is named Jeffrey. You know, I'm a big rap fan, so named him after Thug, man. Free Thug, you know, he's a poodle. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of the prissy one of the group, but still <laughs> still down to handle business. Uh, Quay, like I said, I'm a big rap fan, so, you know, Quay Global, you know, shout out. That's one of the producer that I t- that has got baby on the map, you know, he literally is the one that made my dog produce that for, for uh, baby. Uh, who else is there? Riley, Raleigh, you know, another based, you know, based off another rapper, Raleigh. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him. He has this really dope song called Perk 30 and one and a half of twins and thinking of like, oh, what? What's a name that's like Raleigh or like could be a twin name and things like that. So, you know, always taking little bits of inspiration and just, you know, trying to fill out the roster of like, you know, you want to have your smart one. You want to have your tough guy. You want to have your level headed, like best friend, which is what Benzo is. You need the mother of the group, which is kind of what Riley is, even though like she's the youngest one, but she's still like the mother of the group because she has a younger brother, you know, the gruff one, the one that's, you know, your Daphne and your Scooby-Doo and Ivy and stuff like that. So, Honestly, I, the thing that I really liked about when I was reading it was that each right off the first page, you got like a great understanding of who these characters are right then and there. And you did it just so subtly, especially when you like laid down the different powers that Quan and the different dogs had with him and everything. When I was reading it, I was like scratching my head because I'm like, wait, they can do this. They can do that. They can do this. And then he like subtly like started showing the different powers come through. There was the teleportation. Uh, there is like a slight telepathy with the dogs where he can like call them and talk to them. And actually I had a question for you. Is Quan bulletproof? So yeah, so bulletproof and kind of like, obviously, you know, he does the energy blast and things like that. So a bit of like, you know, the, the energy there, because for me, all their powers, like whether it's Quan or Dastra, or, you know, even moving on a snake bite, like, it's, to me, it's based off Obia, you know, based off, like, hoodoo and all the vadu and, you know, African spirituality and magic like that, so, you know, so that's kind of the lore within Black Tooth, but, you know, definitely being bulletproof or, you know, if, you know, depending on what the plot might entail, you know, we might just call it energy repulsion and whatnot, but, you know, Okay. You know, he's he's there to help himself. He's there, you know, to manipulate it. And one thing about Quan that's like people can expect as we go to the full series is he's still figuring out his powers. He had no one to teach him what he's doing. Everything that he knows, everything that he's been able to, you know, bring out of the dogs, that's them through trial and error, you know, getting into different fights, trying to help different people to figure it out. No, I liked how we hopped into the book. Just like it felt like we were... Watching a TV episode, just just watching a regular day in the life of these characters, and we're learning through them learning. That that like I just love when writing does that, and I noticed that like you're writing, it really does look like you're writing a movie, but in comic book form or a TV show within comic book form. <laughs> I really liked that. In all honesty, I'm speaking of how you're talking about how we're gonna learn more about what's going on with Quan and how he got the powers and everything. Uh, when it goes to series and everything, it's making me think about Adastra. 
Now, when we got into the Adastra, now I didn't read the entirety of it, but I did read like a good chunk of it. Something that I really noticed is kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier about how uh, the melodrama in different uh, comic books and just heroes going through that type of stuff, it adds a lot more to the world that you're creating. And I noticed that Adestra didn't hop in the costume until like a couple pages in. You got to understand her like family life, her school life, and just you got to know who she was as a character. Was that something you wanted to make a point when you created Adestra? Yeah, for sure. And I'll honestly, man, I'll I'll say that's like a big point for like kind of all my characters. Like, yeah, these are superhero books, but I grew up with a mother that didn't like superheroes. Like, if I had asked my mother, like, hey, can we go see the Batman movie? She would have taken me because, like, I'm a kid. But, like, she wouldn't have enjoyed it. But, like, on that same token, like, my mother's seen iRobot. Like, my mother's seen Terminator and things like that. So with that in mind, it's, like, wanting to write stuff that was good even if you took away the superpowers. (laughs) You know, like, I kind of always write in the back of my head, like, this needs to have enough meat to it to where it's, it's, like, had they not been superheroes, like, these are still interesting people. Like, this is just the extra sauce in their lives and things like that. So, yeah, and like you mentioned, like, I'm glad that you picked up on, like, the world is deep. Like, you know, like, not to say, like, it would be a terrible Adastra comic, but it's like, there might be an Adastra comic where we don't see her touch the suit because there's a lot of other stuff going around. And I've also been that, like, watching different superhero projects or like reading different books and things are getting super good and then it's like damn it now we got to deal with the villain of the week like why can't we stay here like this is what was cool you know and kind of having those a plots those b plots and those c plots like all intertwine and get their time and understanding what's important will be important in that moment you know yeah it kind of was reminding me of uh because i'm finishing up the last of Roger Stern's run on Spider-Man from the 80s and everything. Mm-hmm. And Roger Stern, as a writer, did a good job of, like, juggling Peter's um, social life and just regular life, along with the superhero stuff, to the point where it was like you were saying, oh, shit, the villain came up. All right, I guess. I actually was more interested in, like, the actual, like, social parts. Yeah. Because uh, I'm thinking about how, like, in his run, there was just a lot of just different things that'd be coming up and everything. Uh, I think, uh, oh yeah, what happened? He dropped out of grad school and that was a whole issue of him like trying to get in contact with the Dean and everything. And at the beginning of Adastra, when we seen, uh, try not to give too many spoilers out soups, mm-hmm. but we just were seeing her interact with her parents. And then we seen her talking about her high school because she is a high school student, which actually brings me to my next question. I noticed that Adastra has like kind of like early 2000s vibes, especially with the logo, especially with the art. And it just really made me think of like Kim Possible, a little bit of Proud Family and maybe like a little bit of Spider-Man. So what was your inspiration um, aside from the life, like your the real life inspiration? What was just some other secondary inspiration you might have had for Adastra? The fact that my younger sister has never been into cartoons, but has left her TV on Disney Channel and like Teen Nick, and people aren't gonna well, our people our age will remember this like the end, you know, like watching Degrassi, things like that, and like kind of having you know nostalgia for like teen dramas and things like that, like wanting it to be you know timeless. Like you can watch things like that, and it's like oh the overarching elements of like, you know, teens will go through this no matter what, you know, studying for tests, 
having boyfriends and girlfriends, trying to party, trying to do this, trying to do that. Like those things don't change. Like whether you're watching what Revenge of the Nerds or you know you're watching Superbad or you know Neighbors, like teenagers are gonna want to party. They're gonna not want to go to school. They're gonna want to do those things and kind of making one of those stories, you know, and like having it be cool, man. Like. Even though I did want to watch like Cartoon Network, I can't lie, I was entertained by the Cheetah Girls and That's So Raven and all the Hannah Montana stuff when I was watching it with my sister. It was still entertaining. That's because the writing yeah. really shined through. And exactly. some of the stuff could still be like, uh, like you could still like empathize with it and everything like that. Not for sure, man. Yeah. I loved Powerpuff Girls, Totally Spies. Like I still love that stuff, even though I might not have been a target audience. Mm hmm. Totally Spies was great, and I'll die on that hill. Uh, I know they're, like, making a new series or whatever, but that those were the vibes that I got when I was reading A Death yeah, Strike. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I might not have gotten too far with it, and mind you, Soups, I'm actually going to probably buy a copy of all three <laughs> of these books because this is really, really good. And I think in A Destro, your dialogue actually shined even more compared to uh, Dogpile. I think it was more because there was more, like, words in A Destro. Yeah, I, so, I mean... To give away their those personalities, it's like understanding to pull back. Like I remember I was actually talking to the ex that like inspired, you know, Adastra and I was telling her about the books and I was like, you know, she's she's like, even though we're not together, it's like still my muse and like one of my best friends. And I'm like, but I feel like Quan's not saying enough. I feel like I gotta have him say more. And she's like, No, it's just who he is. Like <laughs> you're writing a guy that's like kind of quiet, kind of more reserved, but it's like you know, that black man with all that power, like, he doesn't need to speak up as much. Mm. Versus, you know, Adastra, like, she's a teenager. She has nothing but things to say and things to do because she's full of energy. So she needs to talk more, whether she's talking to people, talking to herself, like, she's trying to express herself in as many ways as possible. So she should be the talkative one. She should be saying a lot of things, like, you know, because there was even things where it's like, damn, a lot. Am I being Brian Michael Bendis right now? Am I, am I filling up the page too much? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's like, you know, kind of trusting it. And like I said, going to those people that you trust to give you a genuine critique. Okay. So what was the finding your artist process like for all three of these books? Uh, different. When I say different, like, so for Adastra, that was, uh, so I guess let me start from the beginning. So originally, I, so there's three books. So originally, like, you know, I was planning to kind of stagger the production. So I started with Dogpile, had a guy, he ghosted me. You know, once it was time to start going, he ghosted me. So I'm like, damn it, like, kind of got a little bit discouraged. Then, you know, put it back out there. You know, I was doing a lot of stuff on the Internet. So Facebook groups, Instagram pages, seeing artists, reaching out to them, trying to negotiate and stuff. Found a guy, you know, kind of the first try for Snakebite. Like, found a guy. Uh, he had some Marvel experience and things like that. And, you know, it kind of went off without a hitch. So once we got halfway through Snakebite, that's when I started again looking for somebody for Dogpile. Found the guy, got the first kind of roughs back and just really wasn't feeling it. Moved on to someone else. They took forever. <laughs> so, you know, they weren't. He got about five pages in and kind of took forever and moved on to another person and finally found the right person, you know, and like kind of finally 
like worked it out within my vetting process of like, all right, so I need this, I need this timeline, and by then snake bite is done, dog pile's halfway done, and it's like when I went out to find the artist for Dastra, I knew everything to ask for. I knew it was like, all right, I need examples of your sequentials. I need to know your turnaround time. I need to see things that you've actually put out, like, you know, you know, so trial and error, but like when it came to Dastra, you know, putting out the ask and hitting the Facebook groups, hitting the Instagrams, waiting on the responses, seeing the responses. So when I found my guy for Dastra, like that was the smoothest book. Like it went off by a hitch. Like I learned everything, you know, kind of going through snake bite and dog pile. So. Okay. So with that, what would you say your process is for like planning out all these? Do you just start writing or do you like have like a whole like map that you do to map out these type of books? So uh, if we're talking entire process, it'll be like everything starts with a run on sentence. And I say a run on sentence is like, I get the random idea where it's like, all right, so there's a guy and da -da 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 -da, this happens and blah, 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 blah. And like, this is his story and he's trying to do this. So that'll be the initial thing. And then from there, like I'll kind of, I have like this profile template where it's like, all right, so how old is he? Where is he from? Where's his city? What is the city like? You know, I go Google a bunch of different city pictures, you know, go through I'm I'm big in the fashion, so you know, go through a bunch of different like clothing websites or, you know, terrible sketches that I put together to kind of find a costume and things like that. And and for these particular books, you know, since I wanted to write pilots, you know, I'm looking at the profiles, looking at what I want the story to be. It's like sitting there and, all right, so what would be a good idea? Like, how can I tell this or how can I get people to feel for it? Mm -hmm. Once again, going back to that run on sentence of like, as if I was a little kid telling somebody a story. Okay, so the book starts like this and then this happens and then this happens and then and then and then and then and then. And just looking at that big paragraph run on sentence and putting the script together. So trying to formulate it, like literally having it side by side with like my script of like, all right, so I said, this should happen. So panel one, panel two, and figuring it out from there. So with that process you were talking about, out of the three of them, would you say Snakebite was the easier one since that was the first one? Or would you say that one like uh like would like i know you said it was tricky because of the artist thing and everything but when it came to plotting out the story wh which one was the easiest for you yeah snake bite is snake bite's always the easiest one for me because it's like the one that hits me with the most ideas and that's why i say it's like the easiest one like the snake bite idea you know it's i'm not gonna say it's like a self-insert but a lot of elements are like so deeply pulled from things that i've seen or experienced like you know from me and my stepdad when I was younger having kind of beef and you know that being a thing in Snakebite or you know me and my friends like starting to do rebellious things like I've stretched ears so I like remember when me and my friends were getting piercings and everybody's getting tattoos and like you know hearing, hearing stuff from teachers and everybody's like oh you're ruining your life like what are you guys doing how are you guys gonna get a job and stuff like that and it's like you almost didn't think about tomorrow because we were so wrapped up in, you know, being 16, 17 years old and thinking we knew everything and not understanding that what really was out there. Like, you know, it felt like everything and nothing all at once. It felt like you were invincible almost. Cause like, you just, like it, it, it did in a lot of different ways. <laughs> 
And it's wild because uh, you feel like you were so much more mature then. And then when you look back at it, you're like, oh, I didn't know shit. <laughs> oh, seriously. And it's like, it's so, and it's one of those things that's like, as an older person, it's like how scary certain situations were because we weren't factoring all the elements. Like, I know if like, you know, when people read within the first couple of pages, like there's that moment where, you know, you lift, like. I was taken aback when that. I seen that, when he lift, lifted up but the gun, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, I've seen that happen. Like, there were stuff like that was around. And it's like, as an adult, it's like, damn, like, people, like, this could change everything for everybody. But we were so casual about it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, people being like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Or, like, if somebody coming here trying this or doing that, it's like, there's serious stuff going on. Like, you know, like, going to parties and, and... Thank God, but you know, you hear the tragics of like parties getting shot up, or like I, I remember being in high school and telling stories like, yeah, bro, you know, they shot the party, but we had already left by then. And it's like just casual. That's serious stuff. Like this mm-hmm. like this is very serious, but it's like it's like, nah, but yeah, if they have another party, we're gonna go back. Like, no, we shouldn't do this. Like <laughs> you know, <laughs> like like it's 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 insane, but it's like that's reality for a lot of people, you know. Mm-hmm. And we never know until it's too late, which is the sad part. And like another part of like why I wanted to show it in the book is like nobody's really freaking out. Like this is just so normal for them. This is just what they deal with, you know. I was liking the fact that uh, O as the main character, he he's completely different different than Quan and different than Adestra. He he has a little bit of attitude, but it feels so real the way that you're writing it. And I gotta say, when you had to sit down and think about who O was going to be, would you say of the three characters, this was a character you put more of yourself in because you said you talked a little you talked a little about how it was uh you and your friends that was a lot of the inspiration for that when you guys were younger when it came to writing snake bite did you put yourself in that character or did you put like a specific friend in mind when you wrote this character yeah a little bit of myself and i want to say a little bit of myself and a little bit of my friends and like you know I, like from you know supporting cast like you know, I, if I was actually to put myself in there, I probably would have been like the Corey of the friend group, like kind of like the leader, you know, the one that's like, all right, man, let's let's go do this. Like, let's, let's do this. Let's do that. And like having friends that are, you know, that were Jalen's that are like, maybe we shouldn't. Like, that's a bad idea. But then having friends that were just like always with it, like they didn't care. Like, you know, that would be Demario's and be like, what? Who said this? Who said that? We going. Who will tell us we can't go? who's going to tell us we can't do this, you know? So it's to make it a well-rounded character and to make it, you know, great for fiction, you have to kind of mix all those elements in where it's like, even though I might've been the Jalen, you know, my home life was more like an O where I had a stepdad that I didn't get along with, you know, I had, uh, I was the older one amongst my siblings, but it's like, I was going out like, you know, I didn't want to come home when I was supposed to come home, like and doing things like that. And, having friends that their parents mm-hmm. didn't care when they came home. So it was nothing for them to go out. Like nobody was stopping them at the door and things like that. So, you know, you, you think about all those things and you kind of pick and choose what will work and where to use it and plug it in as necessary. Omar, could you tell the soups exactly what O's powers are? 
So, oh, like I said, for kind of all my characters in anybody that kind of falls under the Black Tooth umbrella, you know, a lot of the powers are, like I said, Obia based, you know, Vadu based, Hoodoo based, but oh gets tattoos and once you know we start the first proper arc outside of the pilot you'll see him get his tattoos but O's tattoos basically once O gets out of juvenile detention all his friends him and all his friends go get tattoos O's tattoos just happen to give him superpowers and being that he gets snakes tattooed around his arms now he has snake power so he can turn parts of his body into a snake he can make the tattoos lift off his body and become projectile snakes. He can, you know, turn into snakes and, you know, shape shift into snakes and, you know, multiply different types of snakes and all types of stuff. So kind of another one like Quan where it's like limited to his imagination or kind of what he can put his energy into or kind of what he can think of. Is there any advice that you have for anyone wanting to get into the same type of industry that you're working on? first thing i would say man you just you got to do it and, and and people would be like well why would you give that piece of advice it's like i've been drawing and shit since i was like in fifth grade you know and like always telling myself i wanted to do it but it wasn't until the pandemic hit and i was sitting at my job well working from home and being like i really don't want to do this like i really want to jump out of here and like do comics and you know, that's when I started buying the how to write comic books and, you know, all those tutorial books of like how to write, how to publish and, you know, shout out. Thank God I went to a bunch of like comic conventions and I met some indie artists and I asked, I found a mentor. I was lucky enough to find a mentor, like a guy whose books I had supported, seeing him at a bunch of different cons and knowing he was from New York. You know, shout out to my, my mentor, Greg Anderson, LSA, and literally just sent Greg an email like, Listen, man, I've been reading these books on how to write comics. I don't know what to do. Like, I, I, I wrote the script. I'm trying to figure out this next part. But had I not taken a step to just do it, I wouldn't have been, been able to formulate the other stuff, you know, to, to know to jump into the Facebook groups, to watch all the different podcasts, you know, from, uh, I'll say another shout out, shout out to Scott Snyder. You know, I've been a part of his Substack and, he even had me on his Substack to talk about one of my books and things like that. So, you know, just putting yourself out there, whether, you know, start to write, you just got to start to do it. It's like the main thing. Once you start to do it and you, you keep at it, you'll get the other win. You know, whether you're, you go to a convention and you're like, hey, Tom, like, how do you write? How do you do this? Watching different interviews and, you know, you just figure it out from there. Okay. And I got one more question for, for you. Sure, for sure. Are we going to see, well, actually I got two questions. Mm -hmm. Are we going to see any other heroes or characters under the imprint? Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Like, like I said, the next big things are going to be the first arcs for all three books. But if I showed you my notes on my phone, man, we got a lot of stuff coming, like stuff to where, you know, I'm already plotting out ideas of like, so obviously, like I have the three main books and then I have the Black Tooth Battalion, which kind of combines all three. And what I want that book to be is more so like our Shonen Jump. So it's like we can always use the Black Tooth Battalion as a way to introduce new people where it's like, hey, here's a lost snakebite story, but also introducing 
xyz character and things like that you know so and even being able to have that book to eventually be a platform for you know if black tooth gets big and we have interns you know interns want to debut characters through there or start their own thing you know we always have something going that you know can be that platform to jump off and start different stuff so a lot of stuff in the pipeline man like i love all types of stuff so People can expect some horror stuff. People can expect some more superhero stuff. People can expect some satirical stuff. You know, we got we're cooking. I'm cooking over here for sure. Are we going to see a crossover at any point? When it makes sense, like for me, like I didn't want to jump into this and just be like, yeah, this is a new superhero universe. This is a new multiverse. This is a new this. This is a new that. Like, I wanted people to say, now nah, these are new good stories. You know, if they when they cross over. It's going to be another good story, but it's not. We're just in here like, hey, we're the new Marvel, we're the new DC. Like, we're a new place where you can get some good stuff to read and you can, you know, get your money's worth when you come over here. Okay, okay. And where can they find these wonderful stories? Well, actually, before you answer that question, I just want to say, Soups, please, please, please go out and buy these. Uh, I know that they're on Amazon currently. Yep. And I really liked what I was reading. I do have to finish uh the what was the the battalion yeah. the th- the one that had all three of them together i have to finish that but i after i'm done reading that i'm actually gonna go ahead and buy them because it was really really good and i just want to say thank you for hopping on the show amari i really appreciate it so where can they find you and find more information about uh black tooth yeah so on instagram at black tooth publishing spelled just like it sounds black tooth publishing com, amazon.com slash author slash omari underscore malik so and i'll be sure to provide you with all the links man like i said digitals are on my website so com, and then the physical books exclusively through amazon or you can catch me at a con man i'm doing a bunch of cons uh chicago in october no chicago in august baltimore comic con in september new york comic con in october to be determined in November, but LA Comic Con in December. They're gonna have a full list of fresh cons for 2024. So you can catch me outside, catch me online. You know we're here, we're outside. We be everywhere you need us to be. Well, if you ever find yourself in Motor City Comic Con, I am going straight to your booth. Oh, say less, man. Say less, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, as always, soups. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Super Saturdays Podcast, TikTok at Super Saturdays Pod. And Twitter at Super Saturdays PC. Your messages and reviews can make their way on the show. This was Super Saturdays. I'm Damon. Shout out to you, man. Omari Malik, Big Bake Aaron. Thank you guys for having us. All right. See you next Saturday, Soups. Mm-hmm.